Welcome. Thanks for joining us for this live stream message from the Neighborhood Church. I hope that you will stick with us. We're so glad that you have hopped on or are listening in. In just a little bit, we're going to look at two Psalms, Psalm 42 and 43, that really were probably one Psalm. But we're going to look at two Psalms, 42 and 43, that give us two lifelines for when we're dry and desperate. Ooh, show of hands if you are feeling dry, just depleted, and just kind of like, blah, or even desperate. You are just at your wit's end. This is for you. This is for me. And if you're not there yet, you probably will be. So two Psalms, they give us two lifelines for when we're dry and desperate. One lifeline each for Psalm 42 and Psalm 43. So join me there. And while you're turning, I want to say a shout out to our volunteers from the Neighborhood Church that came to the Neighborhood Closed Closet this morning at The Rock in West Garland. Uh, we had a great time and some great weather, too. It was a real gift in our part of the world. And we got to reconnect with our friends and neighbors that we see each and every month in and around that community center at The Rock. So thank you guys for uh, your work this morning as we distributed clothes and checked in and prayed with and encouraged others. If you would like to help, but you aren't so keen yet on putting on the mask and being outside and on your feet, we could really use your help sorting and going through a lot of the donations that we've received. So would you reach out to me, Adam at tncgarland.com, that's email, adam at tncgarland.com. Shoot me an email, I'd love to coordinate with you uh, to serve this community uh, at a time that's you know works for you and in a space where it's just you or your family, those that you're kind of quarantining with. That's an opportunity to serve, even if you can't make it on a Saturday morning. So thanks for our Neighborhood Closed Closet volunteers and workers. I also want to remind you about the Neighborhood Kids Family Devotional that we had posted and uploaded. Take some time, just a few minutes, to dialogue with your children this week. Our theme for the whole month is God Gives Extraordinary Strength. Uh, I'm really excited about these devotions this month, so this is the week for the family devotional. So go ahead and get that. Uh, I want to remind you about the kids' family devotional uh, there uh, that you can find uploaded there in our member group. Are we good? I heard we may have lost connection. Everything all right? We're on lifelines here in just a moment. All right, let's pray before we get into it. Now, I love this verse in Isaiah chapter 30. It's Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18. It's from God to a bunch of people that are running around like crazy trying to make things work in their own strength. And it's as if God just cuts through the chaos and the noise and reminds a frantic and desperate people these words. The Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion. 
For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. That's Isaiah 30, verse 18. And I would love that to be our opening prayer. You've been running around and you've been stressed and you're, you're still getting back into a rhythm of work and family this week in this ever-evolving season. So could we just take a deep breath? If prayer is a soul at attention before God, can we all be attentive to God together, even if we're not face-to-face? And let's let Isaiah 30, 18 be a reminder, our prayer this evening. Hear these words. The Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. Lord, would you be gracious to us this evening as we talk about longing May we remember that you are longing for us. You are longing to draw us into your life and love. Lord, we ask that you would rise up to show compassion on all that you have made. Compassion in this earth that is wrecked and ravaged by hurricanes and fires. Show your compassion to what you have made and your people that you are longing for. For God, we remember that you are a God of justice, working to reconcile all people to yourself. May we be reconciled to you and to one another. And God, finally, as Isaiah 30, 18 says, may we be blessed as we wait for you. For what else can we do but put our trust and our hope that making all things new and that we can come to you and find life and healing and restoration. God, we pray specifically for Pastor Bud, who is still recovering. We thank you for hearing the prayers of your people. We thank you for your sustaining work as he continues to regain his strength. And Lord, we just ask that you would continue the work that you've begun and in Jesus' name, bring healing to his body, that he can come home to see Robin and Lindsay again. Please continue to bless Robin and Lindsay even now in this moment. And Lord, we just entrust them into your care. In the strong name of Jesus, our shepherd, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, in just a few moments, I hope you'll join us in Psalm 42 and 43. It's two psalms in our Bibles, but almost everybody thinks they're actually one song. Isaiah, excuse me, Psalm 42 and 43 is one song with three verses and a chorus. And I want to explore those in just a moment. It's a song of longing, longing for God, longing for God to move and work. Our question this evening was, what do you think our community is longing for? Becky and Carla, you said connection, longing for connection. And in some Christian circles, we would think like in the spiritual or fellowship sense. But in COVID times, I think literal physical connection is probably a huge longing. Becky, you also said to be seen and heard, to be loved. So many people that we encounter in our community, in our neighborhood, in the homeless population, 
may have believed the lie that they are of no value and are not worth people's time, attention, and love. I think that is a huge longing to be seen and heard and to be loved. Angela, you said strength, longing for strength. Man, half a year of this new normal. Sometimes hard things are just made harder and we need strength. How about unity and peace is what Kelly said. Unity and peace. You know, June, everyone was talking about just unity and peace and equality and reconciliation. These are things that are so close to the heartbeat of God that we need not forget. And it's something that this world is desperate for, longing for. Empathy, justice, peace, like you said too, Jason. Our community is longing. We are longing for things. What are you longing for? I think it's okay to name those longings, to get in touch with those longings. And these ancient words in Psalm 42 and 43 give us permission and they give us prompts for our own longings in our own everyday lives. There's a modern song of longing and it's U2's classic, I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For. Even if you're not a U2 fan, you know the song. You've heard it. It's been around forever. But I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Some of you are groaning because you heard it on the radio like 500 times. But I got to tell you, man, I was a U2 fan. I say that really in past tense for a while. I was in a U2 deep dive phase, and I loved them. And so... I remember always loving that song. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. But next level loved it when I saw the Rattle and Hum DVD version, film version, when they recorded a live version with a gospel choir in Harlem. So Bono, this Irishman, is walking around this old church building in New York City. And he's got this gospel choir working through a new rendition of this song, I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For. And he said it makes sense that it's a gospel choir because Bono said, I wrote it as a gospel song. And I got to tell you, when I was discovering you 2 as a young Christian, I kind of scratched my head and thought, is it though? Is that a gospel song? Sure, there's some very overt, maybe some of the most overt Christian lyrics in U2's catalog. Loose the chains, you carried the cross and all my shame. I mean, that's straight up. But I wonder if we have connection is actually what I'm wondering right now. Are we on? Yeah, we're good. (laughs) So back to my U2 song. We'll get through it together, y'all. I wonder, is it a gospel song when I'm a naive Christian? Because I was taught in the songs that we were singing at my church in Bible studies that I've already found everything. I found everything I need. I found what he's looking for. You said you found Jesus for? Man, I was scratching my head. A young naive Adam could not much later. Matter of fact, a few weeks ago, I was mowing the yard. And I was going back to the YouTube catalog and 
rekindling that old love I had for them. And that version of that song, the gospel song with the gospel. And all of a sudden, all these years later, living in a season of longing and desperation and dryness, I'm hearing these words, I believe in the kingdom, bleed into one, and yes, I'm still running. Yes, I found life with God in Christ, but I'm still restless and I'm still longing. Y'all, I'm hearing this song last week after many years, and I'm mowing my yard and I'm crying. <laughs> I'll admit it. And it's as if I finally said, oh yeah, I get it now. You see, there was a tension when I first heard that song like, how can you say you still haven't found it? If you found God, haven't you found everything? And in a sense, that's true. But in another sense, you can so rightly say, you know, I've found life with God in Christ, but I'm also still living with longing in a broken world. It was too much tension for a naive Christian, but it's not too much tension for the Psalms. The book of Psalms is the prayer book for God's people that gives us permission. It reminds us that nothing's out of bounds to communicate and commune with the living God. I can channel this restlessness, this longing I'm experiencing to the God who hears me and helps me. That's the lesson of the Psalms. And nowhere is that clearer, I think, than Psalms 42 and 43. One song, I think, when you merge them together, because they share a chorus. U2's chorus was, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. We're going to see a chorus repeated three times in Psalms 42 and 43. And we're going to listen to the three verses of that ancient song of longing. And I want to show you how we have these two lifelines that help us channel our longing to the God who hears and helps. The first lifeline we're going to explore in a moment is remembering. Remembering. Remembering God's goodness then when it's tough now. The first lifeline is remembering. That's what Psalm 42 shows us. Remembering God's goodness then when it's tough now. Then Psalm 43 will show us that second lifeline, which is asking. Asking is a discipline of dependence that we will never outgrow. Asking is a discipline of dependence outgrow. Let's get into the song and these lifelines. I want you to listen to the first verse of our song. Psalm 42 verses 1 to 4. The superscription, the italicized title that got added later, shows us that we're starting a new section of the book of Psalms, and it's from the sons of Korah. The sons of Korah, we think, are liturgical leaders, worship leaders, the singers that emerged from the tribes of Israel. And this song that they're going to sing in 42 and 43 emerged from a literal exile, exile. Here's what I mean by that. They literally cannot go to worship God in the place of meeting, the tabernacle or the temple. Hello? Do you hear me? 
It's a group of people that for desperate circumstances, like maybe a pandemic or maybe a Babylonian exile, long to return to worship, but couldn't. Is that crazy or what? Man. So I want to listen to the first verse here in Psalm 42. We're going to look at those lifelines again. And the first one we're going to see in Psalm 42 is remembering God's goodness then when times are tough now. I know we've got some connection issues, which is why I'm kind of repeating myself every 30 seconds. But I hope you stick with me. Let's get into the first verse. I want you to listen to verses 1 to 4 in this lifeline. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul, my whole being, pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night. While people say to me all day long, where is your God? As if to say, look around you. Hasn't he abandoned you? Verse four. These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. That's the first verse of this song of longing. What's the word or phrase that resonated most with you. Maybe you can type that into the chat box or just write it down in your journal or where you're taking notes. There's so much rich imagery there. What resonated with you? Surely for many people down through the centuries, it's that image of as the deer pants for the stream, so I'm longing for you, God. My whole being longs for you. Have you ever experienced that or felt that? You know, earlier when I'm talking about I still haven't found what I'm looking for, it's possible to have found God and still long for more. Am I right? I think it's essential for Christians to admit this, that I found life with God in Christ through the Holy Spirit, but I'm longing for a greater experience and measure, especially when circumstances leave me dry and longing. Then Maybe it was that phrase, you know, when can I go and meet with God again? Maybe it's that feeling of longing for streams, but the psalmist says, all I have to drink are my tears instead. Y'all, did you know that emo music <laughs> originated with some of the psalms? There's ancient roots for emo music. It's a way of transcending mere factual language to try to get you to feel what I'm expressing. I've longed for streams and all I find instead are tears. Y'all, I keep trying to remind us that the Psalms give us permission to be honest with God, to be honest with ourselves, and then we can be honest with others. Do you know what happens when we're vulnerable with others and put ourselves out there? Not always, but a lot of times we find that it really helps someone else. You realize that you are not alone in this. And when we're honest with God and really able to express how we're feeling, 
I think that's the first step toward healing. The Psalms remind us that God is not done and that we are not alone. In that first verse, did you hear that taunting word? They, they hear the chatter around them. Where is your God? You can imagine if this is literally in the exile, when the Jewish people were carted off to Babylon, their home destroyed. They're saying, yeah, where was your God then? Maybe people are looking around at Christians saying, yeah, look around us. Where is God? These are things that we cannot run from. We do well to lean into that restlessness and longing, to channel them before God, to be honest and say, you know, I kind of believe them. Where are you in this, God? In fact, the psalmist will say that explicitly here in just a minute. What is it that resonated with you in that first verse? I love how he said, hey, remember when we used to go and sing together? How I used to pour out my songs under the protection of the mighty one? Hey, remember that? What the psalmist is talking about is spiritual nostalgia. Y'all know where that word nostalgia comes from? Nostalgia takes two Greek words and fuses them together. The two root words are these, home ache. Y'all heard of a headache? Nostalgia is a home ache. Isn't that always the case when you're nostalgic? There's a bitter-sweetness to, man, weren't those the good old days? But right on the other side of it, there's this ache that you know that they're gone, in a sense. It's a spiritual nostalgia. Let me talk in real terms in our everyday life. Right now, in the season in which we're living, pain and ache narrows our vision. And when pain narrows our vision, it is so important to look for God. You see, giving God our attention is the choice that is set before us every moment of every day. We have a choice to lean in when things get tough or we check out. This is the choice before us, even more so each and every day we keep going in this season. The only life that you have to live is the life that you live moment to moment. Earlier we read Isaiah 30, 18, where God is longing to be gracious to you. He's longing for you to channel that restlessness toward him, to give him your attention. When pain narrows our focus, our vision, look for God. That's the most important time. And this is what the psalmist does when we reach our chorus of the longing psalm in verse 5. Can you look there in verse 5 with me? Why, my soul, are you downcast? It's like he kind of snaps out of it and then has this inner dialogue. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Those are good questions to ask yourself, by the way. Then he says, put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. That's the chorus that's going to be repeated two more times in Psalms 42 and 43. Verse 1, then the chorus. Put your hope in God. I'll get there. We'll be okay. There's coming a day when we'll be back together with God's people. It's that chorus that is the lifeline. Remembering God's goodness then when times are tough now. 
This is a spiritual discipline, a spiritual practice that we will never outgrow. You know, I've said recently that a synonym for parenting is reminding. You know what I mean by that? How many times have you said, put that away, put that away? Hey, go put that away. How many times have you had to say, hey, go clean your room? Hey, keep your room clean. Hey, that's where dirty clothes go. Chances are you didn't say it once and they did it every time after that. Chances are you had to remind them a thousand times. That's why I say that parenting is synonymous with reminding. Well, I would go so far as to say that spirituality is synonymous with remembering. In the Old Testament, in the Psalms and in the prophets, you routinely hear God and his people say, hey, remember God? He's the one that brought us out of Egypt. He's the one that liberated out of slavery. He's the one that gave us food and life and breath. Remember, remember, remember? The greatest commandment in many of the rabbinical uh, schools, and Jesus took this as well, Deuteronomy 6, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. They said, write that on your doorposts. Say it when you're coming and going. Put it on your foreheads. Remember, 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 remember. In the New Testament, you see on every page, Christ died and rose again. Christ is with us. Christ is the reigning Lord. Remember, remember, remember. What you see now is reality, but there's a deeper reality that Jesus is the reigning Lord and he is inviting you to live in him. So maybe your chorus, your inner dialogue, must be a verse like Psalm 42, verse 5. Maybe it's a verse like some that I hold on to. Psalm 33, 22. Psalm 23. Psalm 143, verse 8. I say these because they're choruses in my life. I have to keep them on repeat. I have to remember that God is good. He was good then, so I'm going to trust he's going to be good now, even though it's tough. Oh, yeah. Thanks for that reminder. Oh, yeah. It's time to sing the chorus again. Let me give you another practical tool. Some of you may need to just find the choruses in scriptures that resonate with you, like some of the ones I just mentioned. Maybe for you, it's less of a verse. Maybe it's a word. There's a practice called centering prayer that I'd love for you to try on for size this week. Take a few minutes when the house is quiet, or maybe even um, when you go for a walk. But really, it's best if you're able to be still and quiet. Centering prayer is to take a word, a word that just seems right in that moment. And it's a word that can connect you to God and the face of God. A word like peace. A word like hope. A word like grace. So if you're very anxious and worried, perhaps the word for you is peace. If you're very despairing and just um, upset and sad, perhaps the word for you is hope. If you feel like you've blown it, you're no good, perhaps the word for you is grace. 
What matters is that you're able to take that word into a space of stillness to breathe and use that as the chorus, if you will, that you put on repeat to help you remember that God is with you. And as the distractions come, and they certainly will, the reason it's called centering prayer is that's the opportunity to repeat that word and bring you back to center. You take a breath and you say, or just pray, grace. Oh, but, oh, I forgot to do, okay, wait, wait, grace. There's grace for this moment now, grace. Oh, but, oh, shoot, but I need it, grace. You see, it tethers you back. Jason preached about this a couple weeks ago. It's a form of contemplation that anchors, that reorient you and recenter you. Psalm 42, verse 5, is that chorus, that centering, that works its way through this song. So let's keep working through this song as well. Listen to the second verse, and I mean that in a song way. The second verse, which is verses 6 to 10. I want you to listen, and maybe you can do this with me. You know how we say that life is oftentimes a roller coaster with ups and downs? I think if you, if you took your hand, I know this is silly, you can literally trace the ups and downs almost verse by verse in this next section, okay? Second verse of our song, scripture verses 6 to 10. Listen for the ups and downs. You ready? Okay, but my soul is downcast within me. He just said, put your hope in God. And immediately he goes, yeah, but my soul is downcast within me. Okay, but therefore I'll remember you. From the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Okay, so his geography has changed. He's so far from the temple. Then verse 7. Deep calls to deep. In the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs his love. Here's an up. (laughs) At night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. Verse 9. You ready for the roller coaster dip? I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony, as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? And then he sings the chorus again. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Did you see the ups and downs? Isn't that wild? You have permission to get it all out there in the open before the Lord. Maybe you notice that phrase, deep calls out to deep. It's really a change in the water metaphor. That Hebrew word for deep is a word that connotes water and chaos, the depths, the dark abysses. Which is interesting because a lot of times we talk about how deep the depth of our being calls out to the deep mystery and recesses of God. And that's a good way to read it. That's a viable way to read it. But another way to read it is to say the waves, the deep, are having a conversation that's drowning me and drowning out my voice and your voice. Deep is calling out to deep. Waterfalls, waves crashing down on me. Earlier I wanted a stream and all I got was tears. Well now, 
I'm drowning. This is a metaphor that is just punishing, but it's real. I want to tell you a story because I think it's vital to have these kinds of choruses like we've been looking at that help us breach the waves when we feel like our feet can't touch the ground and we're drowning. We need something to help us breach and catch our breath. And I think that this was made so abundantly and powerfully clear to me last spring. Few of us went to a conference for one of our church networks in Virginia, and we were doing a workshop. And to be honest with you, I can't even remember what the workshop is, but I remember a participant in the workshop sitting with me in the back of the room. And at the end, he was reflecting and sharing a part of his story. And his story was that he was confined to a wheelchair, and he had been for eight years. It was a tragic accident that confined him to that chair. And so he was on a journey with God that sounded a lot like these Psalms. And he was confiding with a friend and a pastor and basically saying, I am the living story of feeling like the waves and breakers and waterfalls are pummeling me. And in a moment of wisdom that surely had to have been through the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, his friend and pastor said, well, it sounds to me like you need a lifeline to pull you up out of the depths when you feel yourself sinking. And he effectively said what I've been trying to communicate to you. What is the chorus, the lifeline? What do you need to remember that helps you breach and breathe air when you're drowning? And so his name was Garrett, and he said, after a lot of discerning and soul-searching, he said, I realized that my lifeline, my chorus, was Psalm, excuse me, Philippians 2. That's a famous passage for Christians known as the kenosis passage, the emptying passage. It says that Christ was with God, but he didn't consider equality with God something to be exploited, used to his own advantage. He didn't come down like Superman. He entered in weakness and humility. He took the form of a, a human being, a servant, a servant that became obedient to death, even death on a cross. God himself in Christ experienced pain and weakness and humility and death. So Philippians 2 became his lifeline to help him draw himself out of the depths. And how that worked in his everyday life was when he started to feel like the waves were coming down around him, when he felt like God had abandoned him and forsaken him, he would just say, Christ, you emptied yourself. And he said these words, and I'll never forget them. A man confined to a wheelchair, struggling in the depths, would say, Christ became disabled for me. When I felt dry, desperate, abandoned, I remembered that Christ emptied himself and became disabled, vulnerable, humble, even to the point of death for me. And it pulled him up just to get enough air for the next step. It didn't mean that he didn't start to sink again, 
but it was a lifeline, that remembering that brought him up for air. For this psalmist, I think it's verse 8, right? He's in the depths of it. He's about to sink down again. He says, but I remember God's love in the day and the night. What's your chorus? I hope you scour the scriptures and find that word that God gives you that just lands with you that can help pull you up and out. What's that word in centering prayer? But remembering God's goodness then when it's tough now is a lifeline for these moments. So we've done the first verse, then the chorus. The second verse, then the chorus repeated again. That takes us through Psalm 42. The last few moments, I want to talk about Psalm 43. And that second lifeline, it's asking. The first is remembering. This one is asking. Asking is a discipline of dependence we will never outgrow. I'm going to talk about that here now. We think that petitionary prayer, petition is a fancy word for a request. We feel like that kind of praying, God, gimme, 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 is kind of low. We need to move up to loftier prayers. We think that requesting is kind of base level. But it's remarkable to know that Jesus said, when you pray, say. And he said, give us today our daily bread, which would have shocked those people that heard that initially. The God of the universe wants us to ask for bread for today, just for today. He also taught us to ask for something as big as the kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Something as big as forgiving others that have wronged us. Something as big as delivering us from evil. In that prayer in Matthew 6 that we know as the Lord's Prayer, Jesus tells us, say this, ask for these things, whether it's little or whether it's enormous. It's a discipline of dependence. I'm coming to you, believing that you can do this and give me that. And it's something you will never graduate beyond. There is never petition level 201. We're always level 101. We're asking, we're asking. And the good news is that Romans 8, 26 and 27 remind us that we don't know really how to pray, but the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness with groans, longings that are too deep for words. So know that even if we're stuck at level 101 and we'll never graduate and outgrow it, we try, we ask and ask and ask and trust that when we don't ask for the right things, the Holy Spirit is helping us, interceding in the deepest mysteries of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So let me just say it this way. Prayer is not a vending machine that we enter into, but prayer is a mystery that we enter into. It changes the world and it changes us, but we don't always know when and how and why. Prayer is not a vending machine, I'm sorry to tell you, but it is a mystery that we enter into. And we have all kinds of paradoxes about prayer in the Bible. We have Jesus saying, ask and it will be given to you. We have James say, ask and if it's in his will, he'll give it to you. And then Jesus will say, abide in me and ask and it will be given to you. 
And then we have Peter saying that sometimes you ask, but you're hindered because there's this sin that's blocking us and others. It's a paradox that we just can't get our whole hands around it. So can I just tell you, it's a mystery. We don't always know how, when, and why. We only know that we ought to keep asking, believing that God can, asking that he will, and trusting that God loves us no matter what. So Psalm 43 is the asking verse of the psalm. You ready? This is verse 3, our third and final verse, and he repeats that chorus a third and final time. Listen to these words and circle or underline all the things he's asking for. I'll give you a hint. The first word in my translation is an ask. Vindicate me, my God, and plead my cause against an unfaithful nation. Rescue me from those who are deceitful and wicked. You are God, my stronghold. Why have you rejected me? Man, that's brutal. That's honest. Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? That sounds familiar. Send me your light and your faithful care. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. Let me get back to worshiping you face to face. Then... I will go to the altar of my God, to God my joy and my delight. I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. And let's hear that chorus one final time. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. The chorus helps us to remember God's goodness then when it's tough now. These verses, these choruses, remind us to ask a discipline of dependence that will never outgrow. And when we're bad at it, God is using it and forming it and helping us. And so I want to leave you with this challenge to try centering prayer sometime this week. To reorient you when you're doing this up and down or when you're hearing the voices from outside or with inside, let God bring you back to center and reorient your longing and your restlessness toward Him. I want to challenge you also to write down a chorus that you can keep repeating in all the ups and downs. A verse of Scripture, or like Garrett had, some image or mantra that is rooted in the story of Jesus, Christ became disabled for me. What is your chorus? Write that thing down, put it on your phone background, put it on your bathroom mirror, put it in your heart, because you will find yourself in a dry and desperate place, and we need the lifelines of remembering and asking so that God can pull us up from the depths to catch our breath, so that we can go on in our journey with him. So let's take another breath and let's pray together before we go. Father, we are so grateful for life and breath. We are grateful for your faithfulness to us. And we ask, Lord, that you would continue to be gracious to us. May we really believe what we heard, that you are longing to be gracious to us that you are one in whom we can put our hope and our trust, and that even when we are downcast and doubting 
we can channel our restlessness and our longing to you because you hear us and you can help us. So Lord, for each person hearing this, would you be for them who they need you to be, our loyal, never stopping, never ceasing, unfailing God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who is with us, who will never leave us nor forsake us. So Lord, we ask that wherever we may go, that you would go ahead of us and surround us, for we have put our hope, our longing in you. May we remember and ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Go in peace.